Blog Talk Radio. weekly now, Thursday afternoon with Repa, the Retired Eastern Pilots Association's Radio Hour at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and the Eastern Airlines Radio Show every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Both broadcasts are live call-in shows, and we welcome your comments on the air. Our hosts are from around the U.S. and our listeners from around the world. That's right. We've identified over 50 countries now around the world that have been identified and who listen from time to time our radio show. We're glad you're with us. My name is Neil Holland, the retired Eastern captain and producer of the show. I hope you enjoy tonight's broadcast. And I might add here to stick around as we have breaking news with Mark Porter about the new Eastern Airlines that's in the air again. You will surely want to hear this immediately following tonight's program. And now, Chuck Albright, our announcer, will get the show in the air. Chuck, it's all yours. Well, thank you, Captain. Hello, Easter family and friends. As our producer said, we're glad you're with us for more of Eastern talk, news, and information. As he said, my name is Chuck Albright. I'm coming to you live from the villages of Florida, just north of Orlando. Our producer, Captain Neal, is in St. Augustine, and our hosts are scattered all around the country. Colleen DeFleece is from Wesley Chapel, Florida, just north of Tampa. Captain Mike Scott in the New York area out on Long Island, as is Captain George Jen. Dorothy and Don Gaglin in the villages just north of me in Florida, and Jim and Carrie Holder are in the Atlanta area. Mark Carter our new Eastern 3.0 reporter is in the Miami area, and we have an, a new uh, um, news person tonight. His name is Harry Lindquist, and he's around Brunswick, Maryland. Our producer, if you see any of our other regulars, please let me know. From all our hosts, welcome, and thank you for listening and calling the show over the past nine-plus years. You've truly made us the radio voice of Eastern Airlines. We'd love to hear your comments and share your memories with the radio listeners from around the world during the broadcast. If you haven't called a show before, all you need to do is call 
213-816-1611. Just say hello. Talk to us on the air, live every Monday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Many of our listeners choose to listen by computer using the radio icon on our homepage at www.ealradioshow.com or perhaps by signing in at, its, at our site of our provider, Blog Talk Radio, at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. Now remember to abbreviate the word Captain to C-A-P-T. Should you wish to talk during our live broadcast, feel free to use our call-in number, 213-816-1611, at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Let me repeat that number so you can write it down for your Monday night visits, 213-816-1611. By the way, tell your friends about us. Our membership is growing. We're now up over 1,000, I believe 70, isn't? if I'm not uh, correct, let me uh, have our people in the booth there correct me, Eastern with Eastern family and friends. Don't forget, you can listen to any of our 700... 470 Monday night broadcast and 100 plus Thursday broadcast by simply going to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. That's C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E. Scrolling down through the archives of the broadcast, each episode is briefly described. We're nearing 600 episodes now, and all because of the listeners like you wanting to talk about Eastern Airlines. Our lines are always open for calls, and if you choose not to participate and talk live with our, our host, we ask that you please mute your phone, as our producer does not have the capability of filtering out background noises, such as barking dogs and slamming doors and ice cubes and beverages and ringing phones. That's why we, they put the mute feature, feature on your phones. And now I see we're number one for takeoff. So, Captain, let's get Flight 470 in the air. Eastern 470, this is Kennedy Tower. You're cleared for takeoff. Wind 10024, runway 13 right, clear to takeoff. Roger, 13 right, clear to go. Eastern 470, we're on the roll. Woodstock, a music festival held 
August 15th to 18th, 1969, on Max Yasker's dairy farm in Bethel, New York, 40 miles southwest of Woodstock, billed as an Aquarian exposition, three days of peace and music, and alternatively referred to as the Woodstock Rock Festival, it attracted an audience of more than 400,000 people. 32 acts performed outdoors despite sporadic rain showers. The festival has become widely regarded as a pivotal moment in popular music history, as well as a defining event for, at the time, the counterculture generation. The event's significance was reinforced by a 1970 documentary film, an accompanying soundtrack album, and a song written by Joni Mitchell that became a major hit for both Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, and Matthew Southern Comfort. Music events bearing the Woodstock name have been planned for anniversaries, including the 10th, 20th, 25th, 30th, 40th, and 50th. In 2004, Rolling Stone magazine listed it as number 19 of the 50 moments that changed the history of rock and roll music. In 2017, the festival site became listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Woodstock was initiated through the efforts of Michael Lang, Artie Kornfeld, Joel Rosenman, and John P. Roberts. Roberts and Rosenman financed the project while Lang had some experience as a promoter, having co-organized the Miami Pop Festival on the East Coast the prior year, where an estimated 25,000 people attended that two-day event. Woodstock was conceived as a profit-making venture. It became a free concert, however, when circumstances prevented the organizers from installing fences and ticket booths before the opening day. Tickets for the three-day event cost $18 in advance and $24 at the gate, which is equivalent to about $130 and $170 today. Ticket sales were limited to record stores in the greater New York City area or by mail via a post office box at the Radio City Station Post Office, located in Midtown Manhattan. Around 186,000 advance tickets were sold. The organizers had originally anticipated approximately 50,000 festival goers would turn up, but it was later estimated that over 400,000 people attended. <laughs> Mr. Producer, do you have a song for us from Woodstock? Ben Rouge waiting for a train and I feel the near faded as my jeans Bobby thumbed a diesel down just before it rained that rode us all the way into New Orleans I pulled my harpoon out of my dirty red bandana I was playing soft while Bobby Nothing, honey, if it ain't free. 
Anyone want to tell me who's singer? Who's the singer? Janis Joplin. All right. The name of the song? Bobby and me. Me and Bobby and me. Me and Bobby and me. All right. You both win. All right. Gary, it's all yours. (laughs) You can learn a lot about any given year by listening to its most popular songs. In 1970, the number one selling single was Simon and Garfunkel's Bridge Over Troubled Waters and Ode to Everlasting Hope and Unwavering Faith. Nearly as popular were the Beatles' Let It Be and Oh, Oh, Child by the Five Stair Steps and B.J. Thomas' Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, all meant to soothe and uplift the soul and mind. These singles wound up defining life in 1970, a turbulent year in America and beyond. It was a time of the Vietnam War, riots in cities following the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. and Bobby Kennedy, says Ken Burke, who crooned the Five Stair Steps calming anthem, Oh, Child, which assured us that things are going to get easier. Mr. Producer, what do you have up first on the turntable? back during the 1940s at Eastern. During the war years at Eastern, male stewards were used instead of stewardesses. These men were called to duty during World War II, and as a result, Eastern had to replace stewards with female flight attendants or stewardesses, as they were called back then. One very pleasant and outstanding exception to this reduction is the addition of flight stewardess service, supplementing our flight stewards that went off to war. The scarcity of airline seats taxed the patience of reservations personnel, but there was still time for an occasional lapse. Toward the end of the war, when space was loosening up a bit, A.J. 
McNichol of New York Reservations got a call from a young girl who wanted to know how she could make a reservation, where to buy a ticket, how was baggage handled, would a meal be served on the plane, and suppose I did not want to go. McNichol answered every question in detail. She thanked him and hung up. The next night, she called him back. I would like to read you my high school theme on how to get an airline reservation, she offered. Stewardesses want the only second breakthrough resulting from the shortage of an able-bodied male. Women were hired in ever-increasing numbers, and they were assigned to tax tasks supposedly beyond their female capability. One was a young lady named Margaret or Maggie Robinson, and her story was the best story of all. Maggie became Eastern's manager of consumer affairs. She joined EAL's St. Louis Reservation staff in 1944 and gives a vivid account of what it was like to work for an airline in the war years. Before we go to her story, Colleen, what else was happening to music in the 70s? Thanks, Carrie. Given so much unrest, everyone was exhausted, says David Brown, author of Fire and Rain, Faith the Beatles, Simon and Garfunkel, James Taylor, CSNY, and The Lost Story of the 1970s. It's no coincidence that the top songs of the year were as much hymns songs. But if such anthems brought people together, the bands that created them were at the time falling apart. Both Simon and Garfunkel and the Beatles broke up in 1970, as did Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Meanwhile, great new musicians and groups rose to take their place including Elton John, the Jackson Five, the Carpenters, and James Taylor, all of whom released breakthrough songs that same year. Whole new genres emerged as well, making 1970 a unique year that will live forever in musical history space and in our memories. Producer, you have a song? Good song. Just yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone. Suzanne, the plans they made put an end to you. I walked out this morning and I wrote down this song. I just can't remember who to send it to. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. Seen sunny days that I thought would never end I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend But I always thought that I'd see you again Won't you look down upon me, Jesus You gotta help me make a stand just got to see me through another day My body's aching and my time is at hand I won't make it any other way Whoa, I've seen fire and I've seen rain Seen sunny days that I thought would never end 
seeing how close we were to flight time. After everyone was checked in, you'd lock up the counter, put on a uniform hat, and run outside to help load last-minute baggage after you made the flight announcement. <laughs> Let's pause here so Mike can tell us what else was going on in the music world in the 70s. Mike? Thanks, Colleen. Sir Elton John owes part of his breakthrough with your song to the group known as Three Dog Night. The group's Danny Hutton, now 77 years young, tells us that Elton gave us the demo of it, and we recorded it for our album, It Ain't Easy, in 1970. We thought about releasing it as a single, but in the end we didn't. Even John's record company didn't initially intend your song as a single, so they buried it on the B-side of Take Me to the Pilot. But when DJs played his beautiful ballad, instead, it shot into the top ten. Now, Mr. Producer, can we hear your song? Yes, we can. But I'm going to make an announcement right now to everyone listening. We have a hellacious storm behind my backyard. And uh, should lightning wipe us out tonight, we'll see you next Monday. (laughs) <laughs> That's all I can say, because when this computer goes out, so goes the show. It goes out one to two. So let's keep our fingers crossed that lightning doesn't hit anywhere close by and knocks out the power to uh, this little uh, computer that we have. And now here is Sir Elton John at the piano. It's a little bit funny, this feeling inside. I'm not one of those who can easily hide. I don't have much money, but boy, if I did, I'd buy a big house where we both could live. If I was a sculptor, but then again, no, or a man who makes potions in a traveling shoe, I know it's not much, but it's the best I can do, my gift is my song, yeah, and this one's for you. Everybody, this is your song. It may be quite simple, but now that it's done, I hope you don't mind. I hope you don't mind that I put you down in the world. How wonderful life is while you're. Quite kind While I wrote that song 
By the way, Neil, I heard Elton sing that uh, live in Madison Square Garden a few years oh. after that. Well, wow. He did a great job. That nice. yeah. it was well, a great show. Now, now we'll continue with Maggie's story. When the last bag was loaded and everyone, everyone was on board, you'd pull back the steps, salute the captain, and run back to reservations where you started teletyping information to downline stations. Mm. That is, how many limos would be needed at each stop, who's making connecting flights, and so forth. We had three flights in per day and three flights out, so you were kept pretty busy. St. Louis was a terminating and an originating point on the system, with the first inbound flight arriving at 5.30 in the morning. I worked from 4 a.m. to noon, six days per week. There were no such benefits as shift differential pay, overtime pay or holiday pay on your day off you usually come out to the airport just to see how things were going and invariably you'd wind up helping out and all of this was for a starting salary of $125 for an entire month but the airlines were like that not just in the war years but before and for a while after the war the training program for reservations consisted of reading the Eastern Traffic Manual. There was only one desk in reservations, so I'd have to study in the terminal lobby. Once you read through the manual, you were considered trained. We did have a training school in New York, and I wanted to go there badly. But once I had read the traffic manual, they figured I had enough of an airline education. <laughs> so let's, let's take another pause from Maggie's story to look back at the music of the 1970s. What have we got going on now? Well, thank you, George. I want I want back ABC, the love you saved, and I'll be there. The five <laughs> Jackson siblings scored a mind-boggling four number one hits in a row. That, I just read them. Starting with I Want You Back in January 1970 and ending with I'll Be There in October. Their not-so-secret weapon was little brother Michael, who seemed to have been born with the soulfulness of a mature artist at his feet. The first three signals for the root ball energy of the best Motown hits to a new high, which the life I'll Be There represented one of the record company's most beautiful ballads. Now, Mr. Producer, I'll be there if you will. <laughs> Here we go. I think I... It is. All right. Is that it? That's it.
Well, back to Maggie and what's going on in her life at Eastern. Rickenbacker himself gave her her nickname of Maggie. Turns out she met him four weeks after she started working in St. Louis and will never forget the experience, she related. The station manager had warned her, don't say anything, nothing to him unless you know what the hell you're talking about. Well, Captain Eddie arrived and, as usual, began chatting with employees on duty. For some reason, the topic of conversation centered around the difficulties of landing at certain airports. And Rickenbacker mentioned one problem that presented was a peculiar problem because a beam, quote, beam, end quote, always sways, meaning the electronic range signal, the bees, beam sways. Maggie didn't know a range signal from a spark plug, but she was positive <laughs> she was well-versed on them, the beams. After all, Lambert had one that revolved on the top of the control tower. I know just what you mean, Captain, she blurted out. I come to work every morning at 4 a.m., and I see it going round and around. There was a dead <laughs> silence. The station manager mentally crossed himself. My Lord, what is she doing? Rickenbacker gave Maggie a long look and then started to laugh. He let her, never let her forget that instant either. The footnote is, the beam that Maggie was referring to was the airport's identifying rotating beacon for flights coming in to the airport during the night. The beam the captain was referring to was the navigational low frequency range on course signal that pilots listened to to know that they were on course to the airport. During the night and in certain atmospheric conditions, the beam was known to shift, making causing the pilot to make a missed approach. And I want to tell you, that beam that she was talking about on top of the tower was green on one side and white on the other if it was a civilian airport. My memory <laughs> is, and I'm not that old, but That's my right. memory is that a military airport, it was green on one side and the other side was split white. So when it went right. green and the camera went white, white, like that. Yeah, Where yeah. You know that if you were supposed to be landed at a commercial airport and you were landed at one with a split beam, a split white beam, you better go somewhere <laughs> else quick because you're about to get in trouble. <laughs> hey, now, musically, let's go back to the 70s. Don, hey, what's happening over there? You know what, Jim? I remember the old Fulton County Airport when I worked in Atlanta, and the green and the white beacon there, uh, night landings were, were a little interesting to me, but I finally got the hang of it anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Raindrops are falling on my head by B.J. Thomas was what was happening. Raindrops, a journey statement of joy in the face of adversity represented by rain, was written in the powerhouse team of who else? Burt Bacharach and Hal David for the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. A blockbuster pair-up for Paul Newman and Robert Redford. The unbeatable pedigree of songwriters, singer, and screen-powered helped drops nab the Oscar for the best original song. It doesn't seem uh, that how long that was we watched the big screen uh, Butch uh, and uh, I'm sorry, Paul Newman and Rod Redford, Robert Redford, 
and the beautiful theme song of the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Mr. Producer, how about a little rain? I think. <laughs> Mr. Producer is looking for Mr. Mr. Raindrops. <laughs> <laughs> and he has been well, it sure is. It's Radio. Tabletop Radio. Tabletop Radio. Yeah, he hasn't found he hasn't found it in the uh, on the turntable here, so he forgot to take it out. And so we're just going to skip over raindrops keep falling on my head, which uh, they are outside my door, our our house <laughs> right now. And uh, so okay. we'll have to forego that one. Anybody want to try to sing it? <laughs> no way. <laughs> no, but let's let's go ahead and move on. Uh, uh, Richard and Karen Carpenter, the song "Close to You," was number one for four weeks and became the second biggest selling song of 1970, after "Bridge Over the Troubled Water." That was written by uh, uh, Paul Simon. I believe that's what it was. The song was written by Burt Bacharach and Hal David. The most well-known version is the, the recording by the U.S. American duo, The Carpenters, for their second studio album, Close to You, 1970, and produced by Jack Doherty. Released on May 14, 1970, the single topped both the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and adult contemporaries charts. It was also reached the top of the Canadian and Australian charts and meeked at number one on the sixth of the charts of both the UK and Ireland. The record was certified gold by the Record Industry of Association of America in August of 1970. Mr. Producer, can we hear a beautiful song from the 1970s? And it sure was. Well, I don't know whether we can or not. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can look through here and pull up the carpenter. You're going to have a little bit of a challenge tonight. Let's see. You know the label fell off on this one here. Let's see if this is this is the one. Uh, You're going to get docs paid tonight, Neil. I know it. Hey, it sounds like yeah, it. That's it. All you right. got the right one. Why do birds suddenly appear every time you are near? Just like me, they long to be close to you. Why do
to another late wartime boo-boo was never recorded, and it is possible he never heard about it, although what happened became a classic airline story. Eastern had a brand-new young woman employee assigned to the ticket counter at Washington National, and came the day when she was allowed to make her first flight departure announcement. She was scared stiff and cleared her throat three times. Before she began, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, she chirped bravely, if nervously. Jern announces the departure of Flight 420, Silver Falcon service to New York City. Passengers will please show your tickets to the plane as you board the stewardess. Poor <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, girl. Wait a minute. <laughs> That was meant to be raindrops keep falling. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty cute. (laughs) That's pretty good. Very good. Thank you. Uh, Good songs of the 70s, and you guys presented them well. Uh, I was the one that screwed up here, but uh, uh, we do do appreciate you listening to this, and we try to weave into our music every other Monday with a little bit of Eastern uh, history, memories, stories written by others, and we present it. Uh, and uh, those are a couple of stories that I give credit to my friend because I met him. I had him on my flight in the jump seat, Mr. Robert Serling, brother of Rod Serling of, uh, of uh, Twilight Zone. And uh, I flew him from Atlanta to uh, Tucson, where he lived, and an uh, interesting man. Glad to have had him on the jump seat. But oh, okay. um, yeah, uh, let's see. What else do we want to talk about? Some breaking news, which we have this right here, so we can find out what Mark has got for us. But before that, Mark. Let's 
love it. That's it, Mark. That's your that, that's your cue to uh, tell us what's going on with that's, the New Eastern Airlines. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Star um, <laughs> billing. Eastern is expanding its its Haiti service uh, past 2020, and then plans to add Miami to the uh, Port-au-Prince Haiti service. The um, Four Brazilian destinations, Belo Horizonte, Brasilia, um, um, uh, the other two, I can't remember, but they're still on target, as is Aruba and um, the Dominican Republic from New York. Um, <laughs> Eastern has, it, it has its first 777, as you know but they've managed to squeeze in 452 seats and 440 is the legal limit. So there's been a lot of hypothesizing on this. I've even written the CEO because you would have to have an exit that does not exist on the 777 to make the 452 legal. And we're kind of wondering what the seat pitch is then. Is it 29 or 30? or did they take something out? So that's a rather interesting thing. And if they're going to do that, they're probably going to do that with a whole fleet of 777s, which most definitely means China's back in the air. Uh Um, We don't know if it's going to be still Jinin um, or if it's going to be Shanghai or somewhere. But you don't put that many seats in for small people. Mm. Um. And you want to really crowd them to make money. And that's what evidently they're doing, because that's not for the, the North American market, uh, where men are 5'11 on up. And uh, I have rumor that American, that American, that Eastern is looking at Europe. We don't know where, but uh, maybe it's a secondary airport like Stansden or something like this on the outside of uh, London that handles about 22 million people a year, um, which would be a very wise destination for them to go into since uh, it falls into Heathrow or Gat- Gatwick uh, airports. Um, and that's uh, about all we have here for Eastern for update for this week. Well, good, Mark. Wow. Thank you so much. And uh, we have with us tonight uh, Harry Lindquist who uh, hopefully will join our merry group uh, of hosts. And uh, he lives, uh, as uh, Chuck mentioned earlier, up in the Baltimore, west of Baltimore. Say hello, mm-hmm. uh, Harry. You were with us last time. Hey, Neil. It was a great show. I really enjoyed the music. It's amazing how a song can transport you back 50 years just like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amen. <laughs> and, we'll have and to get also, a producer to do better next week <laughs> Absolutely Yeah, I'm going to take some recurrent training for sure uh, And also I see the area code 631 And Mike has had some problems up in New York Mike, are you with us? I'm here Okay <laughs> Mike, better, better late than never Well, George did a good job for you, Mike <laughs> Okay, good <laughs> I knew he would. Anybody can do a better job than me, though. <laughs> you got you got your electricity back? Yeah, 
I'm up to speed again. I just uh, I was uh, I had a doctor's appointment, which ran me late tonight, so that's why I yeah. I, I showed up about halfway through the show. Oh, well, you you heard some of it, and uh, uh, that's great. So uh, let's see. Uh, any other announcements anybody want to make, uh, Mark? Great that you kept us up to date this time, and hopefully uh, there'll be some more news that we'll. Uh, I'll be proud to see the name Eastern Airlines up in the air again. I wish they would come down to Florida occasionally and some of the other parts of the country so we can, uh, you know, when when I talk to someone and say, hey, Eastern Airlines is back in the air again. Uh, really? Yeah. And uh, yeah. they, they haven't oh, heard about you it. You know, if you're on Facebook, you do see a lot of them talking about uh, uh, seeing, spotting the planes. They have all kinds of different pictures. I guess some of the colors are different in each one of the areas that they're going to. Um, you yeah, yeah. see them showing up, so that's a good thing. At least people are spotting them. Good. Now, that was okay, a, yeah, I've actually, been told the load factors are pretty good now. That European yes. choice of Stansted, England, was uh, going to be a good choice for him because we used to use that all the time because Heathrow was a, was a real quagmire to get in and out of. With all the slots and everything else, but uh, Stansted is uh, is very good airport. It's an old military airport. If anybody's ever been in there, it's got plenty of runway, all concrete. Oh, is that a World War II one or what? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, maybe so that they might have probably use that. Oh yeah, they got uh, when we first started oh, yeah. flying there. There was no commercial stuff in there at all, except. Uh, twin-engine charters, uh, prop jobs, and now they got mm-hmm. a regular huge terminal, and uh, it's all set up. It's uh, it's a yeah, full it's a bloom hub for now. Ryanair. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Very good, Dorothy. Uh, yeah, Don, go Bill, ahead. Uh, I was just thinking, uh, Mark Porter. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't imagine as a former gate departures agent what it must be like to board 400-plus <laughs> people on an airplane. Especially six feet apart. Yeah. I know. <laughs> they, they, must, they must have 20 flight you know, attendants. It's, it's crazy. Maybe that's why they have so many <laughs> seats I mean, on how, the plane. <laughs> how do they do that? Well, and I know, but right right now they don't even have their own people ticketing you or boarding you. Uh, so imagine the chaos there. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Neil, this is Chuck. Did you ever fly the uh, Cathay Pacific L-1011? No, I never did. I flew Eastern Airlines 1011s. <laughs> well, well, some of the Eastern people flew them over out of the overhaul section, and we had the seats pitched at about 27 inches, and it held oh. over 400 and some odd people. Really? Wow. Wow. Wasn't there an airplane 747 maybe that held 500 people? That were an airline. Riding on the wings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Standing room only. Yeah. <laughs> 
20 in each job. Well, well, we we, well, we also had the uh, the Ayatollah A300s on the shuttle. I think they held it was either 230 or 270 people. I don't I don't recall which, but you know it was only a a 40 minute flight, so it was no big deal. I didn't know we had the A300 on the shuttle flight. Wow. Yeah, we did. They, uh, yeah. What happened was that we I flew it uh, quite a bit on the shuttle, the A300. And um, we only flew him to Boston because although Tom Butchin did a flight to Washington with the A300, the uh, politicians in their, you know, never-ending stupidity wouldn't allow it into Washington National. So we only yeah. flew it from LaGuardia to Boston. No, oh, okay. Yeah, they, they had all those airplanes painted with air shuttle on the side of them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I and, think and they I've got them from Air, Air Iran, I believe they got them. We used to call them the Ayatollah A300s. <laughs> you can tell by the smell, right? <laughs> okay, uh, I see uh, 757. Is that you, Michael? Yeah, he's on the scene. Hello to everybody. Good to hear you, Mike. How you doing? <clears throat> okay, everything's fine. That, that A300 was 270 in seats. That's what I thought. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Okay. Well, there's some see. real there's some really good 757s out there now that have been retired by Americans. I mean, they're like 15 years old. They're not bad. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> well, we're going to have to. Uh, sign off here before long so Dorothy how about telling us what's coming up and I think if Colleen might uh, talk about the silver liners and Jim Holder give us any news go ahead Dorothy you got it from here all right I'd just like to mention because we didn't get to do it last week uh, we had uh, two new members so our count is up to 1052 Uh, Dan King joined us July 27 he was 67. He is 67 years old from Northern Vermont. He worked in ramp service and SYR from 1978 to 81, and Atlanta from 1981 to 86. PHL from 1986 to 88, and then back to Atlanta from 1988 until the end. Even after all these years, he says he still considers his years with Eastern as the best job he ever had. He's currently retired from a 30-year career in the sporting goods industry, and his main hobby is flight flight simming. He's a hub manager for the Eastern Airline Virtual Airline, and he flies Eastern aircraft daily on original routes from a late 70s timetable. He'd love to connect with some of his old Eastern friends, and, of course, as everyone knows, our website is a place to do it. And our show every Monday and Thursday is another venue. Uh, the other gentleman was Lee Gordon, who joined 8, August 3rd. And he is 73 years old, worked at GSP. I know George McInerney, and uh, he's from Taylor, South Carolina. Uh, our next uh, show is Thursday, August 13th. Uh-oh. We lost our girl. 
Yeah, we've lost a lot of things here. My storm is kicking up, and I don't know whether that's it or not. Okay, Dorothy, somebody's making a, uh, some cracking noise. Sounds like they opened up uh, a bag of uh, potato okay. chips. All right. One, one thing I want to say before we uh, end up is uh, we want to thank Harry Lindquist, who contributed a $100 donation today. Uh, Harry, we thank you so much for your immense uh, generosity, and we have your name posted up on the EAL radio show website under Silver Falcons. Uh, that uh, tab is under our members' sponsors. And thanks again to the retired Eastern pilots for their generosity as well. Back to you, Neil. Okay, I think maybe it's coming from your microphone, Dorothy. Uh, background, it might be Don back there, but at any rate, uh, I want to find out from uh, uh, Colleen. Let's see, Colleen, I'm opening your microphone. I was trying to find out where the noise was coming from. But Colleen, are you with us? I'm here. Okay, what's I'm going on here. with the silver liners? Okay, well, uh, everybody's keeping in touch just by emails and so forth. No activity going on pretty much anywhere. What we what we are attempting is uh, Zoom meetings. Oh. <laughs> the Florida my my chapter, the Florida Gulf Coast, is having their first virtual meeting tomorrow morning at eleven o'clock. So we'll see how that goes. And everybody's okay. getting lessons on how to Zoom. For an update <laughs> on our on our organization, we have 23 chapters uh, with two or three new locations. We're ready to go, but had to cancel their opening luncheons and getting their kickoff start because of the uh, the uh, current conditions. But uh, they're waiting until everything opens up. So that's two or three new chapters we'll have added to our 23 existing. We have almost 500 members, and we wow. represent we have we have representation from 53 different airlines. Wow! Uh, Very good. Yeah, it started out with Eastern, but we have to, uh, you know, we have to import people now <laughs> from other airlines. But, you know, that ought to be interesting wants- when you when you have a convention, uh, Colleen. It ought to be interesting to find out about all these different airline folks and uh, contributing their, their stories. And, and I bet that would be oh, interesting to, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, we just uh, recently got our newsletter and Brenda up in Canada was the editor and she did an amazing job. I don't know if you don't, they don't send it to you, do they, Neil? No, I don't, no, I don't get it. Uh, they used to. It, uh, it, Connie used to send me you know, stuff, but okay. I haven't gotten anything in a long time. This is filled with so much information. I just can't believe how much information she got into this book. Uh, I mean, it's 70 pages. It's a beautiful wow. book. I just, you, and you find something interesting, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, very um, good. There's a, of, there's a lot of stories on how people heard about us and come to us, and we still have um, our our few starting members that are still with us. Um, but it's been a long, long time, so yeah. we have to keep growing with new airline people. Yeah. Well, that's good. Keep yeah. up. Uh, keep it up. Okay. Yeah. How about Jim Holder? How's Reaper doing? 
Well, the boat's uh, still coming in. You know, we've, we've got the ballot out on the dissolution of REPA for the bylaws. And I talked to Jerry Frost about an hour before the show, and he said, uh, as of right now, there's been 206 ballots have been received, and we mailed out only 370. That's how many regular members we have left, 370. And uh, so over half of the ballots are back in the box now. And the deadline is September the 1st. And uh, we're going to have a get-together at Jerry's house sometime after September the 1st. And uh, he said we got to open 700 envelopes because the envelope within an envelope within an envelope, we got to open all those things up and record them and see what the vote was. Now, listen, one other thing. Uh, I still got some old repartees, well, not old, some of them, the new repartee magazines and the newsletters. And if Harry uh, can get his email address, I mean, his mailing address to me, Dorothy, if you can get his mailing address, send it to me. If he wishes, I'd be glad to send him uh, cut down on this stack of stuff I got over here. I'm still trying to clean out my office. And I'll be glad to send him a bunch of old, they're brand new, they've never been used or read. Uh, repartee magazines. He might. Harry, what do you think? Stuff in them. I'd love uh, I'll them, Jim. I've got your email. Night, uh, I'll, I'll send you my address directly. Okay, do that. And my, let me give okay. you my email. I mean, my. Uh, I am Roadhog thirty seven. Roadhog. Yeah, I've got it. You got it. Yep. Okay, send it to me, and I'll get them in the mail to you. You can great sit back okay. and read 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 right. <laughs> and that's the end of my contribution to this wonderful show tonight very good thank you thank you thank you all right now we're approaching the airport at the end of our eastern flight 470 so we'll be back next week sharing more great eastern talk so we're going to let captain hop harrigan put us down gently at the St. Louis International Airport. don't know why St. Louis, but it sounds like they might have a grass field there. But here's Hop Harrigan coming in.
on some great Eastern talk. We had to cancel the last two of the Reaper Radio Hours, but we'll be back August 13th with some more great stories from the Eastern pilots. Our producer is telling me it's time to say goodbye. This is Chuck Albright, Eastern Airlines employee 018632, signing off on behalf of tonight's host, Dorothy and Don Gagan, Mike Scott, Colleen DeFleet, George Jen, Mike Potter, and we have now got Harry Lindquist. He's going to be with us hopefully from now on. Our, miss, our producer, Neil Holland, is signing the sign-off music made popular by Merle Haggard, Silver Wing. They're taking you away and leaving me lonely. Good night, Eastern family and friends from around the world, and good night, Eastern Airlines, wherever you are. We love you, Eastern. Now, all of us, when I count to three, one, two, three. Good night, Eastern. Good night, we Eastern. love you, Eastern. We love you. It was a great program tonight, guys. Kitchen Table Radio. <laughs> Shining in the sunlight, roaring in jail, it somewhere in flight. They're taking you away and leaving me lonely, silver wings, slowly fading out of sight. And as one of my real great good friend captains used to say, we don't have much fun, but we have a fist four times. Good night, guys. Yes, we do. (laughs) Good show, Neil.